we cannot be alive without being creative. So all of life, if we embrace it as such, and even if we don't, is a creative practice. And making stuff, for those of us who intentionally like to make stuff, that's just a subset of the larger life practice that we have. Hello and welcome to Emerging Form. I'm Christy Ashwanden. And I'm Rosemary Watola Tromer. And this is a podcast on creative process. And today we have something so exciting. We are going to jump deep into mindfulness, social justice, and how this kind of weaving together of these two things could relate to our creative practice. So, Rosemary, I want you to tell us a little bit about our guest, Phyllis Koldai. But maybe could you just start by telling us, I know that her anthology, Poetry of Presence, really means a lot to you. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about it and and why this is such an important uh, book for you? Yeah. So Phyllis Koldai has been kind of a heart hero of mine for many, many years. She had a blog online that she posted every day called A Year of Being Here, which was lots of poems that all of them, like I just fell in love with her taste. I was like, I love everything this woman puts online. Then she created a whole book of them, Poetry of Presence. We'll hear more about that in our interview with her. But this book moved me so deeply. And I started to do workshops, just discussion workshops, five weeks where we sit down and read together. And I did this for many times. I bet I did six, seven, eight of these where we just take six weeks and and read poems from this book and have discussions. Mm-hmm. And then one day I said, Phyllis, would you want to come to Colorado and join one of these conversations. <laughs> I couldn't pay her or anything. And she uh, did. She oh, And wow. she was so lovely. And we had this fabulous just connection. You know, I'm just going to say here a little plug for ask for what you want. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is they say no, (laughs) but maybe they say yes. So when Phyllis came, you know, we just hit it off and we've been friends ever since in terms of just sharing creative ideas and going back and forth about things. We've done a few programs together. Well, when they did the second book, Poetry of Presence 2, They asked if I would please write a companion book, a book that Hmm. offered people ways to think about the poems and then leap into their own creative practice out of it. So I did do that. It came out this May with the book itself, and it's called Exploring Poetry of Presence 2. And it's 88, I call them invitations, Mm -hmm. to launch into your own writing. So it's always been so rich for me to read other people's poems and get very curious about them and think, oh, I like that. What did they do? How do I Uh do that? Yeah. So I just really write people through exactly that process. And it was thrilling to partner with Phyllis and Ruby on this on this project. As as you'll soon hear, Phyllis is a very kind person. She's a very deep thinker and very thoughtful engaged person. So the chance to collaborate with her was just very exciting. And Ruby was the other editor on the anthology, is that right? Ruby's the other editor, yes. So Mm -hmm. the two of them did the editing together. And uh, although we're only speaking with Phyllis on this, uh, they were very much partners in the creation of the anthology. That's great. So tell us more about Phyllis. Phyllis Koldai began pecking away on an old manual typewriter in childhood and never stopped. Mm. 
She has authored or edited books in multiple genres, writing across what divides us. Originally from Ohio, she now resides with her scientist husband and two cats in a 130-year-old house in Brookings, South Dakota. And she invites you to join her on the raft, an online community on Substack, where members ride the river of life, buoyed by the arts and spiritual practice. And that link is in our show notes. Let's bring her on. And welcome, Phyllis Kaldai. I'm so glad you're here with us. Oh, what a delight. Thank you, Christy and Rosemary, for having me. And thanks to everybody who's tuning in. Oh, so nice to meet you. Thanks for being here. So let's start with just how to ground everyone in what we're about to be talking about. Phyllis, will you just tell us a little bit about what is mindfulness? Well, that's just a small question, isn't it? (laughs) A tiny little question. (laughs) Start easy. And and, uh, let me just uh, say that I am not a mindfulness teacher. I am going to be speaking totally as a a practitioner and Mm -hmm. a very... uh, I've been working at it for about half of my life, but that makes me still a beginner. Uh, So I like to... We're all students, and that's uh, just so liberating to say. Um, So for me, I like to think of mindfulness uh, as trying to keep my head and my heart where my body is, uh, keeping my thoughts and my emotions where my body is in the here and the now. And this is a way of uh, practicing uh, non-judgmental awareness and investing my I- attention uh, very intentionally uh, in my life. And it's a way of befriending myself. And in a strange way, I find that as I befriend uh, the inner workings of myself, I'm also befriending what is around me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and that's where the title of your anthology is Poetry of Presence. And mm-hmm. uh, your description here of mindfulness really gets at that that presence and that mm-hmm. notion of presence, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about the Poetry of Presence and how this anthology came together and, and how you collaborated with Ruby Wilson on this project? Well, thanks for that question. Uh, you know, sometimes life... Uh, brings us trouble <laughs> and <laughs> and the trouble ends up uh, bringing us joy. And that's certainly mm-hmm. the way that Poetry of Presence has unfolded for me. Uh, some years ago, I was doing a massive uh, music project with a couple of friends and I won't belabor uh, this too much, but basically the project blew up and I also uh, lost one of my friendships in the middle of that. So mm. I was really grieving because what had looked to be a very promising creative uh, part of my life uh, felt like the door had just slammed shut and 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 then there was the loss of the friendship on top of that. And in the middle of this, uh, a friend of mine who uh, loves poetry began to send me poems that he described as being particularly mindful. Hmm. He wasn't using the term mindfulness poetry, but that's what I ended up calling it. And I found that these kinds of poems that he was sending me uh, were very grounding, 
to me. I found a lot of equanimity through reading them, and it, they were not asking me to deny the reality of what I was going through, but to actually enter it more deeply and see what I could learn from it. And this just sparked me to read voraciously for more mindfulness poems mm. as I began to think of them. And I kept reading and reading until I finally called an arbitrary mm -hmm. halt. I had about a thousand of these on my computer. <laughs> That's crazy. And I, I had, it, it had been therapy for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I was in a totally different place. And I thought, well, if this can help me like this, maybe having a collection for other people would do the same. And so um, something nudged me to ask my dear friend Ruby Wilson if she would collaborate with me in creating such uh, an <laughs> anthology. Uh, Ruby is a, a poet. She loves reading poetry, as most every poet does. And we've been getting together for bag lunches once a week for probably 15, 16 years uh, now. Mm -hmm. And and uh, it was just a natural fit, even though she mm -hmm. said, I don't know anything about mindfulness. And I said, <laughs> you don't have to. You practice mindfulness, even though you don't call it that. She's just built that way. And and I said I don't know much about poetry, so we're we're a good fit, you know. And mm -hmm. I can't imagine having done uh, either of these volumes uh, without her. So there's a long-winded explanation for how this started. I, I love that origin story, and I, I just love thinking about how creativity, you know, where it comes from, and uh, I, I I really. I'm really touched by this this idea that this was something that helped you and now you're sharing. And so it's mm. not just a selfish thing, but it's, you're, you know, you're putting something out in the world for others to enjoy, too. That's at the core of my work. That's why I do what I do. I love to make stuff. But mm -hmm. if my stuff is not relevant to other people, then that I, I'm just built that way. I want to <laughs> I want to help heal the world. You, and you do, friend. And you do. <laughs> I personally have been healed by your work, so I thank you. Mm, thank you. That's mutual. <laughs> you know, I, I want to underscore so many things that you've said already. This beautiful line, sometimes life brings us trouble, and the trouble ends up bringing us joy. Just the beautiful paradox of that, and just how economically you expressed such an astonishingly large, <laughs> spacious idea um, was was powerful. And, you know, I, I think that one thing that, that I'm curious about with, with these anthologies and in terms of how you're opening them up to different aspects of creativity, the first anthology, much more nature oriented. And this anthology is quite different. Will you speak just a little mm -hmm. bit about how it's different from the first and what kinds of creative pieces you were looking for? And just, just to be clear, maybe you should spell out the title in the second for people who don't know. The first one is called Poetry of Presence, uh, an anthology of mindfulness poems. And the second one is Poetry of Presence 2, <laughs> more mindfulness poems. Very creative titles. <laughs> Yeah, who would have thought that, yeah, they came together, yeah. Tell it like it that's is. That's right. Oh, that's great. And the second one is just now out, is that right? 
it, it yes, it, mm-hmm. it just came out in May, and uh, and the covers of these books kind of express something important. Uh, the the, mm-hmm. the first one you have uh, uh, an egret that's in this sort of uh, to me it looks very kind of worshipful mode, you know, and uh, bowing to the sacred sort of and and as uh, Rosemary said uh, that anthology is very heavy on nature and on individual, what I would call individual or personal mindfulness. Hmm. Um, but, you know, it it's really easy for us to feel mindful in nature. Nature is one of our greatest mindfulness teachers, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's easy sometimes for us to feel mindful when we're on a retreat or we're in some other kind of set apart time or set apart space. But it's a lot harder to practice mindfulness smack dab in the middle of our busy lives lived in relationship with others. And, you know, what happened between the first anthology and the second anthology was a pandemic (laughs) Uh was uh, the the Trump presidency, was uh, a lot of social upheaval in relation to race and a lot of other things. A lot Mm -hmm. of things came out of Pandora's box, right? And a lot of people were wanting to stuff those things back in the box, and you can't. So mindfulness poetry is a way of entering more deliberately into those things that maybe we would prefer not to look at and and to look suffering squarely in the face. Um, And so the, the cover of the second anthology, we have a swan with outstretched wings, which to me is a very sheltering comforting quality. Um, and so I, I really love how, how those two cover images play off of each other. So the, the, a lot of the, the, the second anthology, not, not exclusively, but, but it plays off of social mindfulness, relational mindfulness. Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we live uh, with a, a non-judgmental awareness of our participation in the oneness of everything? Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a social justice aspect to the second anthology. Am I, am I mm-hmm. right about that? And you're sort of addressing some of these very pressing issues of our time. Mm-hmm. Yes, it felt necessary because of yeah. everything that was happening. And again, the, it was harder to find uh, mindfulness poems to fit this collection because, again, the, the, the focus in mindfulness tends to be more individualistic which is ironic because if you're practicing mm-hmm. mindfulness, it, it leads you into awareness of your uh, interdependence and, and mm-hmm. uh, interbeing, as Thich Nhat yeah. Hanh would say, with everything, you know. Uh, and we also, we would like to say that if someone is not interested in mindfulness at all, I think the the collections will still stand on their own just for the love of the poetry. But -hmm. these are invitations to people to see how poetry can uh, affirm our interrelationship Mm -hmm. with one another and with nature and so on. Sure. 
Thanks so much for listening to Emerging Form. We want to give a big shout out to a couple of our paid subscribers who have left us really kind reviews on iTunes. For instance, Jill Berkey, who recently wrote, Wonderful! I love this podcast. I feel like I'm among friends when I listen to Christy and Rosemary talk about the creative process. One day, Rosemary shared a new poem that moved me, and I knew I had to start being a paid subscriber then and there. And thank you, Jill. <laughs> Rebecca Reynolds Weil wrote, Amazing! You will laugh and grab a pen at the same time. This is a fantastic rollicking soup of humor, depth, thoughtful and practical suggestions, and rich creativity. The two hosts are a joy, and they wrap in wonderful guests to add to the discussions. Subscribe and share this delight. What a gift. I love that they both added subscribe to other people. That's nice. I know. Isn't that sweet? Thank you so much for your support, dear listeners. You make this podcast possible. And if you want to join Jill and Rebecca, you can sign up as a paid subscriber at emergingform.substack.com. And please, you don't have to be a paid subscriber to do us a huge favor. Just leave a review on iTunes. We'll put a link in the show notes. Thank you. So on that note... That, that this is an invitation to see how poetry can affirm these interrelations. And let's talk just a little bit about how, well, two things, and I'm going to put them together. They're really two questions, but I'm going to smash them together. How can a mindfulness practice influence or nourish a creative practice? And also, how do you think social justice fits into a creative practice? That's a lot to answer at once. I just threw a lot at you, friend, but take your time. Oh. <laughs> Well, I'm, they, because they're they're intertwined in the book, I guess, and so in a way they're separate. But in this book, they're very much the same. So, yes, well, yeah, there are at least they're woven. They're, they're woven. woven. So, so that's why I, I couldn't decide which one to ask first. So I just asked them at the same time. <laughs> Smush okay. them together. You're you're very good at mashups, Rosemary. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, so I'm just going to start somewhere. Um, my bias in looking at the world is that. We cannot be alive without being creative. Mm -hmm. So all of life, if we embrace it as such, and even if we don't, <laughs> is a creative practice. Mm -hmm. And making stuff, for those of us who intentionally like to make stuff, that's just a subset of the larger life practice that we have. Mm -hmm. We cannot go through life without making choices. Yeah. And every choice is generative. Every mm -hmm. choice has outcomes, uh, consequences. It 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 sparks. It just ripples out. And and so, when we are paying attention to the kind of energy that we are sending out, the words that we're sending out, the actions that we're making, we are helping to build the world. And, and heal the world and move the world. And, uh, and so when people tell me that they're not creative, I just laugh <laughs> and say, you need to own some part of yourself that you've left behind. Mm. And, and my sense of it is when we own that part of ourselves, there is a joy that, that comes up that is infectious and that joy helps to heal brokenness. 
This joy is not happiness. Happiness is dependent on external stimuli, I think. Uh, And I'm talking about something deeper than that. This joy is inextricable, I think, from gratitude, from the sense of, I have this life Mm -hmm. to live. And I get to choose the way in which I am going to live it, whatever I'm given. I get to choose how I'm going to respond to that. And that makes it matter. (laughs) Who I am, what I do matters. So there's a purposefulness there. And if we we approach our, our creative lives and our creative endeavors with an awareness of that, a deep and unconditional gratitude, for that, we find ourselves changing and the world changes with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so social justice as a practice, seeking right relationships, seeking fair relationships, honoring what is beautiful in every person, even the ones we have most strong disagreement with, looking for it, expecting something valuable to be there. It changes the nature of the relationship Mm -hmm. just in that particular moment. And it may not change Mm -hmm. the world in and of itself, but it changes that moment. Mm -hmm. And then you don't know where that moment goes after you leave it. Right, right. I did, I, did I get around to most of what you... Sweetheart, that I was, was incredible. Just absorbing that it. Was yeah, amazing. that was amazing. <laughs> um, I couldn't have asked for anything more. I, let me just touch on a few things that you said that I think are really fascinating. Life is full of choices and every choice is generative. Yeah. Um, to think of creativity in this way then, you know, not just creating on a page, not just creating, you know, with a, with a piano, not just creating with a paintbrush, but to think of every single act, every single word as a creative act is, I mean, that's really what it's all about. Yes. That's, that's, that's life. it. That's, that's life. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. But there's something else that, that really struck me about that. And that is this idea that, you know, whatever you're doing is generating more of that and you're, you're yes. creating something and you're, you're sort of choosing a path and you're going down it. And so I, I like what you said about choices and that, you know, even the, the decision not to make a choice is in itself a choice. Right. And so, you know, I, I hear you saying to be mindful of those choices and to be aware of them and to recognize that when you choose one thing and you create one thing, you're sort of going down that particular path and you're, you're doing, you know, you'll create more of that. You know, when I'm counseling creatives uh, sometimes, you know, I always ask people to think about, you know, what is it that you want to be doing? Because every time you, you do something you don't want to be doing, you're basically creating more opportunities, like you're sort of committing more to that. And every time you do one sort of project, you're going to open up new opportunities to do more of that. So if that's not what you want to be doing, you need to change what yeah. you're doing, right? Amen. Amen to that. And yeah. if, if I can just yeah. share a, a quick story, sure. just pressing to get out. <laughs> I, I just am home from a, a three-week trip. And at one point, I spent um, 
most of a week with my mother, who is in an assisted living uh, environment uh, in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And when I arrived this time, I don't know if, if something had changed or whether I, I just had more awareness. But I noticed as I was walking past her, her empty dining room at that moment that there, there was over in the corner a digital piano. And something in me said, you need to play that piano. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an introvert, believe it or not. This is not something <laughs> that I can easily do. But I, I walked up to a staff member and I said, would you mind when my mom comes in here to, to eat her meals, can I come and play quietly over here? They didn't know anything about me, you know. And they said, <laughs> yes. Okay. So, so over the time that I was there, I started doing this at her mealtimes. And at first, mm -hmm. you know, nothing much was happening. People, you know, noticed, but, you know, and that was good because I didn't really want them to notice me. You know, I just wanted mm -hmm. them to enjoy the music. But by the end of my time there, there was a, a sort of verbal jam session going on. Mm -hmm. People were coming up on their walkers and in their wheelchairs, and they were, I was playing old standards that I happened to have with me. And mm -hmm. uh, they were telling stories about their own music from their past, mm -hmm. and 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 some of them were former music teachers, and and there was just this jam. And I, I said, so are you making music now? I I turned around on the bench because they're telling me these stories, and we just started jamming. You know, and uh -huh. no, I'm no good anymore. Uh -huh. and, and I said, what do you mean you're no good? I said, do you? Do you feel joy when you dink on the piano or when you sing a song? Yes. Mm -hmm. I said, that's what it's about. It's the joy because it's infectious. Look around at us right now. We're telling stories. One guy on his walker left the room, went out. The, the people were gathering for the second seating, and he led them in a hymn sing. <laughs> because he had come up and talked with me about his own music background. I mean, it just turned mm -hmm. into this. It had a life of its own, but I couldn't have seen mm -hmm. that coming the first day. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just, it just, it's infectious. And, and what was Beautiful. happening with those couple dozen people in the corner of that room, mm -hmm. it, it gave them something. They were worried about mm -hmm. whether or not I got back to South Dakota. And these are people who often can't track what day it is or whatever, but somehow uh, it made an impression. That's great. You know, so anyway, it's a story that's right there with well, me right now. And it's beautiful because it's this example of how creativity begets creativity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. you have this creative impulse. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to play the piano. Simple. And then, yeah. and just, it starts so small and then, yeah. oh, how those seeds grow, right? Yeah. And then you planted more seeds and the last seeds. Yeah. So I guess this is, I'm going to jump in on a new question that I didn't tell you I was going to ask, but as you're talking about this, it makes me think about this creative community that you have created, the raft. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what, what could you say about creative community and why you would create it and what are you getting out of it and what do you think other people are getting out of it? Oh, what a great question. 
So start with what is the raft and then... The, the raft, the raft uh, is uh, free for anybody to join. It is uh, Phyllis Cole Dye, uh, all smashed together, dot substack dot com. This is a way of doing uh, a, a community without having to rely on Facebook, Twitter, some of these other forms of social media that never felt... Uh, I, I was not in sync with them. And so uh, there are several newsletters that I put out for free, and and uh, there are some free events that are weekly or biweekly. And one of them I will tell you about because it is just, it is sacred time for me. It is every Thursday, noon to one o'clock central on Zoom, and uh, mm -hmm. people bring a poem to read, not one of theirs. We're going to start a poetry writing group soon, but but this is somebody else's poem that has struck them. And so mm -hmm. we we read to one another and and it generates discussion. and And so mm -hmm. often there is synchronicity involved. It has come almost to be expected. And I've had to ask people, don't come with the expectation that everything is going to fit together because expectations get us into trouble. We start forcing things. But there mm -hmm. is this phenomenon of, of overlapping themes, overlapping images, and, and it mm -hmm. always takes us deep. It is not unusual for someone to shed tears. Uh, for silences to just and and the group is comfortable with silence, you know, and and so what happens there with poetry pick me up is what I'm hoping is happening throughout the entire raft in different ways, which is we boost each other and our sense of mm -hmm. connection and our mindfulness of how the arts and spiritual practice help us. Um, claim our lives more profoundly and, and live them out with more intentionality. So beautiful. Yeah, that, that's great. What a, what a wonderful community. We will uh, put a link in our show notes to that. Um, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Phyllis, it's been so great having you here. Thank you for taking the time to talk with oh. us and to be on Emerging Form. Oh, you, you folks are doing great work and to, to be rubbing creative shoulders with you is, <laughs> is so much fun. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Thank you. Thank you, Phyllis. You've been listening to Emerging Form. This is Rosemary Watola Tromer, and my co-host is science writer Christy Ashwanden. Our fabulous audio producer is Leah Shaw. Our music is created and performed by Kira Kopostansky and edited by Leah Shaw. Kate LaRue designed our logo. Jack Mueller, of course, inspired our work and the name of this podcast. As he always said, you must obey the poem's emerging form. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Emerging Form. Did you know that for just a few bucks a month, you can become a paid subscriber and get bonus episodes every other week? Go to emergingform.substack.com to sign up. And if you really want to help us out, leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>